Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Badass Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Fox. Today's bonus episode is about writing fiction and memoir and the indie publishing process. And we have quite a few questions to get through, so we're going to get right to it. Today's guest is Susan Dennis. She lives in North Carolina and runs a management consultancy supporting public health research. In 2021, she published a memoir about her life and marriage to the photographer Charles Dennis titled The Swing, a muse's memoir about keeping the artist alive. Her first novel, The Secret Field, was published April 1st. Further information about her books and Charles's legacy can be found at susandennisauthor.com, and I'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Susan, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So let's start with your recently published novel, The Secret Field, which came out this past April. Can you give our listeners a summary of what the book is about? I have uh, sort of, in a very short sort of description, referred to it as the movie Fargo meets the movie The Birds. So I am captivated, have been since I was very young with buried artifacts. I'm fascinating when uh, a couple is digging in their garden in the UK and finds buried Roman coins, or um, a theater in Italy finds in its basement um, deep down uh, more coins. I'm fascinated with artifacts and buried things that are found. Um, So even as a little girl, I, um, I dug looking for things. Uh, So the secret field includes that sort of core piece, but I have in my mind uh, characters that I needed to bring into this community. And so the lost love coin is sort of the thing that is um, the mystery piece of the story. And It's about a woman who has great anxiety disorder, great panic attacks, and she has a great backstory of a very um, unhappy childhood. And when when she leaves home, uh, she just immerses herself into research and proofreading and things that she does in just in her inner solitude, in her quiet alone place. Uh, she doesn't mingle well, but she stays put for many years. One night the phone rings and everything changes. She's called home to a very, very toxic and complex relationship with the mother. So there's there's that story within the story is the mother and the daughter, the loner story. I have all these sort of uh, stories within stories. I've been told that readers find themselves enjoying the uncertainty of chapter to chapter twists and turns as these characters unfold. But Carrie is the uh, main character, and she finds herself a fish out of water in a rural setting that becomes her cocoon. She loves it. Uh, She somehow picks up a couple of little corgi dogs and she begins a life, but a life with, as a loner, still as a loner, when she is just extricated violently from that life and must begin to join a community. 
And so the story is about a disparate group of people that forms Carrie's community. And at, again, at the center of it is this odd, missing Turkish love coin. Um, how it ends up in this rural community, how it ends up in this story is all part of the very twisty sort of tale that I tell. The characters are also speaking to people who are aging. There are characters in the story that need to feel important and have a relevant role to play. And so there are several characters like this. Carrie begins to feel feelings for others that she went very long without feeling. She has a boarder who comes into her life. And uh, I like to think that he brings a lot of light to the story. They're all a little quirky. They're all a little flawed. They all have their own secrets. So the title of the novel, The Secret Field, it sort of infers that it is a field that no one knows about, therefore it is secret. But it's not really that at all. It is a field of many secrets. It has a history. It's part of an old plantation. And the story unfurls into all these different threads. It is a woman's story, to be sure. It is dark and humorous. Because I am dark and humorous. <laughs> I know that. because I, I own it. And it also is a mystery, but I wanted it to challenge the reader. I wanted it to be confusing and complicated, but I promise you, I sewed it, tied it, worked so hard to bring it all together. And then in the end, give you one last, I hope you'll think so, big surprise mm -hmm. that just makes it all kind of um, make sense. Excellent. Um, I did find myself kind of wondering, you know, as the story progressed, who Carrie could trust. And, you know, they each brought into the story their own secrets, like you said, and um, just kind of wondering who was all involved and what side they were really on. So that was what great. What team were they on? Yeah, right. exactly. And so your inspiration behind it was just your your long-standing fascination with all of these buried artifacts? Pretty much. When I was very young, I liked to tell stories. And uh, there was a mystery that involved a buried artifact. And children found this artifact. And I wrote this story when I was in the eighth grade here. And I created a book. And my teacher enjoyed it so much. She told me I didn't have to come to class anymore. I could sit in the library and keep writing. So that was that was uh, my first uh, payoff as a writer. I just relationships in general and small towns. And I love having sort of a surrealness to the story with just um, a very atmospheric kind of setting that allows people to just immerse themselves in what is probably not uncommon at the Virginia, North Carolina borders, these smaller towns that were once vast plantations. I take a walk here in my hometown. There is an old plantation that is now a public space. So when I walk there, it just it takes me to what might be sort of the setting of this of this story. And it brings me to just collectively 
put all these elements together. They didn't magically drop into the page. There were many, many edits and rewrites until we felt, I, I just felt I had uh, hit the mark into the conclusion, but also the rush I wanted to bring to the reader page to page. I just wanted a rush mm -hmm. um, and an intensity and plenty of uncertainty until such time as it um, surfaced and made itself known. And then in terms of the research, what kind of research you were, you, you said that you were looking into Turkish coins and yeah. Yes. So what kind of research did you do? So I love to research. I guess that makes me much like Carrie. There, there are similarities. I love to research. Uh, so I just immerse myself into, I get a thread. So I, in this, in this case, was it, was it to be a Chinese coin? Was it to be an Indian coin? Was it, and I began to just study coinage, um, study the origins of coinage and, and just, I had, I wanted gold. I had it. So I had to study gold and path of gold in, in the most ancient of civilizations. And again, I had then I had to find its pathway through piracy into the Americas, right? And it's it's not some great epic arc of backstory, but I had to feel the backstory. I had to know the backstory. And I promised the reader in the sequel the subject of numismatist interest in this is strong and it takes um Carrie all she has as a thinker as the creative thinker she doesn't yet really know herself to be and to develop a curiosity that allows her to find the truth behind this coin and maybe it's whereabouts maybe not it's whereabouts but certainly just find the answers within the, the sequel also there are tremendous revelations to carry about her own life. So is that what you're working on right now, the sequel, or do you have anything else in the works? No, I'm, I've been working pretty diligently on that and trying to, at the same time, you know, I've released uh, just prior to the novel, a memoir, and um, that's been on its own sort of path and um, doing some writing about the journey of not just myself with my late husband, but also of how the work that he left me continues to reveal just such amazing little things about um, his life as a photographer. So I'm not really looking to write another memoir, God, no, oh, so hard, <laughs> but maybe some short pieces, some just short stories about Charlie and his photography journey. Um, so speaking about the memoir, um... That was something that you spent 15 years creating and perfecting, which is a big undertaking. And yeah. like you said, it's hard. It was How hard. Did, yeah. How did you decide that this was a story you wanted to share with the world? The story opens up uh, in the second chapter about my first date with Charlie. And the first thing I tell people I speak to about the book is it was never intended to be a death and dying story. That's what took me so long because... I could not write an autobiography or a biography that that just was about someone who was sick. It had to be about art and the rare artistic passion that some of us possess. I'd like to say I am of that level, but Charlie was in that that level of artistic passion. 
that could not leave him. And I believe it allowed him to live far, far longer than anyone dreamed. So that story, I had to find a way to tell. Um, I showed his work. His work has been exhibited. It has won awards. It's been published. But the story of Charlie was missing. And that haunted me. I have a very deep chest drawer that I put so many notes in. I had to press it down super hard just to get the last little sheets of paper into it. And finally, a beautiful person named Ariel Extut. She is one of two of the book doctors. They are in Montclair, New Jersey. They came and spoke in Chapel Hill, attended their, their event. I contacted them and asked if I could speak to someone. And with that, we began sort of a mentor relationship so I could draft something. I didn't know how to do it. I, I didn't know how to write a memoir. And um, I found a book by Lisa Dale Norton titled Shimmering Images. And it guides very beautifully, very, very well written, just sort of guide as to how you might frame your, your memoir. And as soon as I read her book, I rushed to my deep chest drawer and began to pull out all of my shimmering images. And I had to pick and choose. I had to speak to my son about how I was going to tell my story. And well, I, again, I am a person who I consider myself to be darkly humorous or humorously dark, whatever you choose, but there is humor in all of that story. So I like to think it is someone described it as raw, real, and fresh. And I would hope that that carries more than the sadness or just the loss, because Charlie was a story that needed to be told about art and life and living a purposeful life, even if you think your time is short. And that he did. I witnessed it. I am the humble storyteller that just loved him and did everything I could to see that his dream, his quest was met. And it, we got there. So that, I, I'll tell you the ending of the story. We did make it. <laughs> but there's still uh, a lot of images that we are still finding that he left us that great joy to put them uh, through a scanner and work with other photographers so that we can continue. He probably photographed at least half a million images in his wow. life and did so with great study. He was not just one to load a camera and just waste film. He uh, was a, a great student and, and he had drafted hundreds of pages of notes and journals and his last thing he did was he was scanning negatives and he still had a pencil in his hand. He was still doing what he loved to do wow. um, in his last moments. So I love that part of the story. It's not a sad story. There is sadness, but it is really, I hope the reader will find it to be a, just a joyful telling of one who lives for art and art helps them live. Right, right. So besides the emotional aspect of it, what did you find the most challenging aspect about crafting a memoir? So hard. I, I, to anybody who is doing a memoir, it is 
so difficult, especially if you find yourself, I, I found myself to be, again, the storyteller. Yes, yes, the editor, uh, the wonderful Kyle McCord of Atmosphere Press guided me into telling a bit of my, more of my side of this. That was a gentle push to put more of myself in it. But in my case, it was a 20 plus, 25 plus year sort of time frame. And how do you pack all of that in? So you you go to this place where you just is so well, so well described in the shimmering images that you're glancing at a stream. Rocks are in the stream and water is flowing over them and a few will catch your eye. Those are the pieces of your story that must carry sort of from from chapter to chapter to chapter. It doesn't have to be today we did this, tomorrow we did that, the next day. It just has to carry the reader through this, however you want your story to be told in whatever segments or, or fractions of this. You have to have a sense of carrying the reader to feel what you're feeling and why you're writing the memoir. That was so helpful to want you to feel all that I felt in my um, beautiful years with Charlie. Tough, tough years. They were tough. Mm -hmm. um, they were harsh and they were hard. But there was one thing that I bring in all my conversations about the swing is it's a love story. I mean, you know, just full stop. It's a love story. I'm, I'm just such a lucky girl. I mean, shoot, I got to know him and uh, share him now. It sounds like you poured your yes, heart yeah. and soul oh, into it. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it took it took a long time because I think I began thinking of writing it after he died, and you have to just grieve and you have to move forward and live life. But it never let go of me. Never. Mm -hmm. um, we were showing the work. At one point, we thought, you know, we're doing so well with exhibitions of his work. How about a coffee table book of all, wouldn't he love that until you find that there's really no market for that. Mm -hmm. No one wants to publish an unknown photographer's work. Um, it's expensive publishing yeah. these beautiful archival photographic books. And I thought, okay, all right, back to the original plan. Tell, tell a story. The name of that book, um, Shimmering Images, that you said was more or less helping you with the craft and the structure of a oh, novel yes. or a memoir? Uh, the author is Lisa Dale okay. Norton. It's a little book. It's not a like a anthology. I mean, you sit down and you, you've you read it and you could read it on a plane. You could read it um, on a short trip somewhere. It's But you would go back to it because she takes you to places where your mind begins to think differently about telling that tale. It's so easy to get into the indulgent place or the boring monotony place in, in the telling of uh, just your life. It, um, there's a chapter, for example, in The Swing that uh, was so painful for me to write, so, so, so painful, that I actually saw a counselor for about six months after, because it brought up so much pain. Now, the reader will have a very, perhaps, sad moment in those very short pages. It's very, very short chapter. 
but at the end of the chapter is the love that we all brought to that part of the story. So I couldn't tell the story and not include that. You just have to be clear that you're telling it for a reason. Yeah. It's not, these are not indulgent pieces. They are reader-centric, story-centric, um, compelling places to be. Otherwise, write the memoir for yourself. But I wrote the memoir for people who know someone who's sick, know someone who's chronically sick. I actually am so touched that I have um, chronically ill followers on my Instagram page because our tagline for the swing is art one love one illness lost and I came up with that in an interview with a very prominent editor who oh so came so close to accepting it to the <laughs> publishing house so honored that I even got that close and she said, it's not just a death and dying story, Susan. That's why we are interested in it, why we like it. And I said, well, darn right it's not. It's heart one, love one, illness yeah. just. And then I added an expletive blank, blank lost. Yeah. And and um, I've removed the expletives, but that's just the facts. Art one, love one, illness lost. That's yeah. the story. And um, that, I think Charlie would love that. Yeah. I, well, I know he would. beautiful beautiful so besides that do you have any other advice for for those who are crafting a memoir yes I would say read it let others read it this is true of all your work I assume but put it down and go back and feel it maybe in a month this is what Ariel wanted me to do she was my first mentor she wanted me to feel it weeks down the road. And I was all just done. I waited 15 years. I've got to get this thing finished. I can't just, just trust me. Yeah. You go back and you you remember why you're doing it. You want this story to reach other people and you want it to feel connective. And so uh, take it, take a moment, let it breathe, go back to it and ask yourself that central question. Is it a diary for myself? Or am I actually projecting a story for others to touch, connect, feel something? And I think that's the trick with the memoir. Yeah. It still has to, it has to have, it has to be a story. Right. That's a really good point. And I think giving yourself distance from that. And like you said, it goes with with any writing that anyone's doing, but especially I think with a memoir, because you are just that much closer to the story. Yes. And I think it's important to, as much as you want to get it finished, it's yes. important to to give yourself some distance and some time away and then come back and read it. And just like you said, revisit that question and, and make sure that it is exactly what it needs to be. And, and I will say that when Kyle recorded at Atmosphere Press read it, he read it in a night, which blew me away. And he wrote me sort of really, really late. And he said, you really didn't like square dancing. And I thought he really has read. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his edits to it were so short, but they were big ones. Not, they, they weren't big in terms of, of content or but it was he he wanted more of me 
he wanted there to be sort of a circle to it. So my point is that you're so close to your memoir. You're so close to it. Letting some wonderful, talented writer in his own right, as I was so lucky to, to meet Kyle, and he just sort of blew his his magical sort of take on it, just blew that pixie dust over it and gave me more thoughts. And, you know, I took every bit of them to heart and and applied them. Why wouldn't I? It was nothing for me to not say thank you. And darned if I didn't go back. And when it was done, Kathleen, I knew it was done. I felt that Kyle came along and just like polished it and touched it and gave it that glow. And uh, darn it, I just couldn't have done that without someone interjecting their experience with my story. You have to have that. Yeah. It's more than a beta reader. It's more, it's an editor type of, he just gave it like this overview. And I went in and tweaked it. He also told me I cussed too much. So I, I pulled out some of those. <laughs> I pulled out some of those and he was right about that, of course. And, um, but darned if it's just, you know, when you're there and by giving it the time to breathe, by letting someone else into your most intimate pages, that is, I think, the way to find this path to making it not your story, but now a public story. Right. Super, super important. We're almost out of time, but I just wanted to ask about the publishing process with Atmosphere. How has that gone for you? And did you publish both your books with them? I did. That was that was easy, that decision. So I don't know about those who are listening right now, but I believe things sometimes just occur for a reason. I had forgotten about publishing The Swing. I was moving into the novel's work. I thought I'll get back to that. It had gone on a round of top, the top, the top of the top editors with the top of the top agent. And we didn't, we didn't get a deal and I didn't hate it. I was sad. <laughs> um, I was licking my wounds. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I pushed myself right into the novel and then an email e-blast came from something I'd never heard of called atmosphere press. It was nothing, it wasn't, it wasn't like a shiny penny. It wasn't flashy. I just, I called the number. I talked to them and I thought, let me look at these. All of Atmosphere's um, team are writers, artists, editors, poets. They are so gifted as a community, as a collective. I thought, I can do this. And we did it. And then the next one came and I, I asked that a woman read my novel, nothing about Kyle, but I wanted a woman's perspective of my novel. And man, she was so good. She didn't have to tell me she didn't like it. <laughs> I could feel she didn't like it. And I thought, I'm going to figure out. I gutted the novel's pages based on just her light remarks her insightfulness. This is because she is herself such a talented writer. And I'm so grateful. Atmosphere, if you're if you're in it to work and you're in it to, to just connect in, in the hard work place, they will help you get there. And I, I love them 100%. 
Wonderful. They're a, they're a wonderful organization and um, publishing two in the same year. Can't say I recommend that. <laughs> it's, it's been a little nutty, but it just happened that way. It was 15 years in the making. The other one was like three years in the making. They just happened. I met Atmosphere. They were kind of one was ready to go. The other was near ready to go. So that's how we did it. Yeah. Nice. Well, I've heard some other authors praise them as well. They're artists. They're cover artists. I knew what my covers were going to look like because I work in that world as well. And I have a friend uh, who works with me, uh, my business, who is a beautiful designer. And we sort of are like the two-headed, you know, she thinks that we're just, we complete each other's sentences. And so I knew how I wanted the Secret Fields cover to look. I knew that I would put one of Charlie's images on the cover of the swing, um, right. uh, such as the swing, right. <laughs> the image called the swing. <laughs> and But their cover artist just helped us polish it and take it home. They have such talent in the art department. Um, so if you don't have a, a cover concept, you are in good hands with their art team for good. sure. Wonderful. Well, Susan, we are out of time, but I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. And I want to wish you luck on, on the publishing of the sequel. Thank you. I'm excited and yeah. so happy to have met you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. If you're writing memoir, I hope you found some inspiration from today's bonus episode. If you're writing fiction and or trying to get yourself published, perhaps this can help you on your way. Susan is not the first author I've had on the podcast who has published with Atmosphere Press. So if you're looking at a hybrid publishing option, they may be of interest to you. I'll be back on Tuesday with some more pitch critiques and another fabulous guest and until then, keep being badass.